The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Podcast. What is going on, DGen Nation? Ken and Kim here bringing you another Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast. This week, of course, for the Colonial or Charles Schwab Cup, whatever it's called nowadays. Um, as, you, as you guys already know, our pod is sponsored by Draft.com. Join Draft right now use, using promo code DGEN and get a free $3 ticket for attorney of your choice after you make a minimum deposit of $10. If you crush your season-long NFL league with a snake draft, this is the site for you. Uh, speaking of the NFL, OTA's first day was today for most teams. NFL season is fast approaching. They have great games for football. Best ball for football is already out for you DGENs out there. Plenty of golf stuff as well. So make sure you use promo code DGEN when you go on to draft.com. You, as usual, I am here with my partner in crime, Tyler Tambaline. Tyler, how are you doing this week? Going good, Kenny. Uh, getting ready to get into it here, man. Having a bit of a podcasting spree. Coming off recording the first one with Gup and the boys over on Smash Factor. And now ready to get into ours. Go through it a little bit more in depth. Talk about uh, everything that went on in the in the Brooks Page Black Tournament, the PGA Championship. Yeah, I mean, Brooks Kepa did his thing again. I mean, the guy's pretty amazing. Four majors in his last eight majors played. I mean, like, outside, ever since Tiger, there's only been a couple of guys that did that, and it's him and Spieth who've been on runs like that uh, at majors. And I even think this one's probably even a little bit better than what Spieth did, uh, being the defending champion both of the PGA Championship and the US, U.S. Open. Pretty incredible stuff uh, by Brooks. I mean, he had the lead. Big lead going into uh, Sunday. Uh, you know, Breath Page Black is a great course, first off. Uh, tough, 
but extremely fair. Uh, I thought it was it was a great course, uh, and then it didn't get crazy until probably Sunday uh, when those winds were whipping like 20, 30 mile per hour wind gusts on Sunday. I thought that would be great for for Brooks. I was like, well, there's probably no chance anyone's going to catch him unless he fucks up. And guess what? He fucked up. Uh, he birdied 11, uh, he bogeyed 11, 12, 13, and 14. And uh, DJ birdied that hole after he bogeyed 14. So Dustin Johnson was in one stroke with just a couple of strokes, a couple of holes left to play. But then DJ's does what he's been doing here lately, and lately and throughout his career, uh, especially in majors, just you know, near the end of a major, he sort of lets down uh, two bogeys in his last three or four holes, took him out of the contest. I mean, this it happened before a major. You look at the 2010 U.S. Open, you look at Chambers Bay, uh, you look at just the last time he played, uh, either, I forget, it was RBC Heritage, uh, I think, was the one that he was in. He was up by a bunch going in to Sunday, shot 77 on Sunday. That's back-to-back Sundays, uh, you know, where, you know, DJ didn't play bad on Sunday, don't get me wrong, uh, but the last four holes, he sort of didn't do what he needed to do, just make par there, and it's a lot more pressure on Brooks Kepka uh, instead of boging two in a row. So that hurt uh, a little bit. Uh, what did you think of the tournament? Thought it was good. Um, you know, really good till you know, sort of Brooks started running away with it. But uh, a couple thoughts on that, and I'll get into it. But uh, yesterday, that you know, that last ten minutes was strong. Where you got the you know that ten minute segment, I should say, when you got the DJ bounce back. The fans are chanting for DJ over two Brooks. He pipes the sickest drive I've ever seen on 15, where he just said, forget this. I'm turning this thing around. I'm right in the ship. So a um, couple, couple things on the, the Brooks, the DJ thing I agree with. Uh, I still think he's, you know, the best in the world. I know, you know, we're coming off a Brooks win, so it's tough to say that, but DJ, you know, the claps at the RBC heritage, I give less value to because it was off the masters um, where he had a deep run and we didn't even talk about him. No one did. And he almost won the thing. So uh, he shows up again. He's completed the Grand Slam. But as far as Brooks goes, a couple quick things. One, to me, um, uh, at first, preface it was saying, you know, I, I love Brooks as a as a golfer. I think he's incredible as a person, interview, uh, you know, a guy. I like that chip-on-the-shoulder type guy. I like the little bit of brashness and cockiness that he has. You put a good on your Twitter the other day. Like, it's almost narcissistic. But if you can back it up, which he did, then, then I love that about you. The, the one thing that caught me off guard was in his post – um, post-round conference when he's talking about uh, the win and they said to him like you know Ricky Fowler was just in here and he said you know that was the most nervous he's, he's ever seen you what how did it feel and it was almost like because he had said the all the stuff about they're easy and no big deal and had those first two days uh, where you know shoved it down Brandel's throat basically it was like uh, he couldn't show any emotion and, and to me that was something I just didn't understand because he said, no, I wasn't nervous. I was just shocked. But then they interviewed another guy, interviewed his caddy, and his caddy's like, I'm with Brooks every day. That's by far the most nervous I've ever seen him. But we calmed him down, we cooled it down, and we got back into it. It was like, okay. So all I was saying, you know, I I don't need to see you cry on the green when you win like Jason Day or something. I'm not saying that. That's to each their own. Everyone shows their own emotions, but you also don't have to hide it. it you know, it did It turned out to not be that easy. Uh, you know, DJ definitely had a shot. DJ shot the only person to shoot uh, four rounds under par. So a great tournament by DJ. It probably would have worked any other time, but Brooks set course records uh, and whatnot on the first two days. Uh, and then the second part was just that, that's that going with that, uh, the crowning of Brooks after two days. Uh, these tournaments don't end on a Friday night 
especially at majors, especially at a course like this. And like you said, DJ couldn't get there, but he was literally within one stroke with more than enough holes to play. And the way Brooks was going, if it had kept going that way, uh, it, it could have been pretty sad for Brooks if DJ had a stole that away from him. What, what did you think, Kenny, of all that stuff? Yeah, from your first point, I mean, you know, Kepka has sort of a brand now. He branded himself, you know. He is the he sort of labeled himself that cool, calm demeanor, nothing gets gets to him type of persona. And, you know, he just sort of has to play on that. I think that's what it he he's built up his own persona so much for the media and for the fans that he has to stay on brand. And I think that's why he said what he said. I'm sure he was nervous as hell. I can almost guarantee that. You know what I'm saying? But he's not gonna let people know. I, I ain't got. I have no problem with that. He's not gonna let people know. Uh, why tell people? I mean, it's like a chink in his armor. Uh, is what he thinks when he, if he has to admit something like that because he's built up this persona, this this cool, calm, collective. You know, uh, you know, you know, you know, calm, cool, collective persona. Big game hunter. You know, goes great in majors, stuff like that. Uh, so I, I think that's why uh, he said what he said. Uh, and to the second part, I thought it was over after Friday, really. I mean, that big of a lead going into the weekend on a course that difficult, uh, I mean, I sort of crowned him. Now, it didn't lead up to what that happened. You're probably right. You can't call a tournament no matter what uh, after Friday. But this looked pretty damn close. But he still, he, you know, he faded a little bit at the end. Uh, he, he didn't make it there. So uh, I, I, I guess it wasn't. A full blown hundred percent guarantee. You're right there, Tambo. Uh, and but he still ended up going in, getting that W, uh, doing what he had to do on his last four holes. You know, parring them out, uh, doing well, and, and getting that W. So a great win for for him. Other guys who played pretty well. Patrick Henley's been playing really well uh, at the majors here so far. Uh, you know, in the last, like, I think he has like three, two or three top tens uh, in his last five majors or so. He's been playing extremely well. He's someone that I'm on the radar for for the U.S. Open. Uh, I think uh, before the event ended, PJ ended, he was 66 to 1. It dropped all the way down to 40 to 1. But I'll I'll still take that bet. I was on, I jumped on that uh, last night. So I'm a fan uh, of Cantley coming up here uh, at the U.S. Open. Uh, did you see, did you notice any other guys out there who, uh, who caught your eye at the PGA there, Tambo? Yeah, for me, I would say um, Patrick Cantlay. I, I think right out of the gate, we got to talk about him. So, I mean, he's sort of – I know it's only two in. I'm sure he'll burn us all next time out. But uh, it looks like sort of this year's Finau or this year's Webb or whoever you want to call it, the guy's going to keep showing up in majors. Uh, he, he, did, he basically did the same thing he did at the Masters, just in a different way, but he still ended up the same spot on the board, finishing third. Uh, Matt Wallace right there with him. Uh, he seems like he's going to be a grinder, you know, coming over on the PGA Tour, now showing up at these events. Uh, I thought he impressed me. And then other than that, not much. Some of the regular suspects were up there, but uh, more so guys that I'll talk about when we get into the plays this week and compare them against that. Uh, the only other thing I'll say is Hideki did his job at the $8,300 price tag versus the 11K tag and finished T16. So Hideki came through for $8,300. bucks. That's That was one thing. Yeah, I mean, I thought Luke List played pretty well as well. Yeah. Uh, it was solid work. I was I was in on him last week. He did okay. Yeah. Uh, it looked like some of the big names like Ricky and Xander and Rose, they were all sort of in that top 10 going into Sunday. But those Sunday conditions were really, really brutal. And it took a toll uh, even on the top guys who dropped, you know, five, six, seven strokes, uh, you know, over par on Sunday. Uh, all right, so let's actually get in – 
to this week. Before we get into this week, let's talk about how we did last week. Uh, it was not the best week for me. And now the good things that happened to me, uh, I had Kepka. He was uh, I had him on the podcast as one of our BetQL betting segment bets of the week. Uh, so that was solid. Uh, that worked out okay. And then I got um, – I also had Kepka on one and done. So that got me back in to uh, 75th place uh, inside the 70 top 75 in the big gups corner one and done. So that was nice as well. But when it comes to DFS, I had John Rahm as my highest zone guy and that guy really screwed me. Uh, you know, boking five of his last seven holes to miss the cut on the number. That thing stung really, really bad. It was actually hilarious. Uh, when they, when they caught him, uh, pissing on the tree <laughs> while DJ was hitting an iron shot. I thought that was hilarious, but he screwed me. Kepka was my second highest own, but, like, it was horrible weekend to dra- uh, on DraftKings. I lost, like, 80% of my bankroll. Uh, the second time this season that I've lost more than 50% of my weekly bankroll uh, in a given event. So that really sucked. But, luckily, the Kepka bet, the, the outright I had, and luckily the OAD, it, it made it a little bit more palatable this week. How did you do this week, Tampa? Not, not bad. Yeah, actually, um, the first thing I will say, though, is the, the upside got capped, and I wanted to put together some sort of – screen cap or something i could have just taken that picture of rom taking a piss and dropped my lineup straight underneath it and so that's what he did to them because man i i had a nice lineup in the big 555 on dk that had five out of six and it actually had five other guys that didn't go backwards uh for the most part you know on sunday there was guys that had lineups that were six out of six that actually got worse because the lineup literally went like 30 over uh with some of these guys shooting six over par and seven over par on sunday but um, for the most part, pretty good. Uh, I didn't cash in the big 3K on DK, but my 555 that cashed and then my uh, FanDuel results uh, worked out pretty solid. I actually got 6th and 11th in the big $44 there. So uh, that sort of balanced me across. Uh, Millie Maker got back like 65% of my buy-ins uh, and then a good Sunday showdown brought me back to probably lost about 500 bucks on the week, but I, this is you know, the majors is when I play the biggest amounts. So I had over five grand in play. So to get back uh, 90% of my money was pretty nice in that sense. And now we move forward to this week. Yeah, I definitely would have taken that. Uh, yeah, yeah after the way me. the week went, with, uh-huh. like I said, with, with no with Rom doing that. And, uh, you know, you were on the pod with me. So you know that uh, I threw the big game hunter theory out the window, thinking that it was going to be too much for Brooks to back up. We got Tiger right. We got, for the most part, we had a lot of good calls, but throwing Brooks out the window wasn't a good idea on this one. Uh, in this case, it just didn't end up killing me. So it kind of worked out awesome in that sense uh, in a tournament where placement points uh, seem to matter a lot more than the scoring points, right? So yeah, well, sort well, of well here, you, here you go. I I rostered, I rostered Brooks like 40%. He was my second highest owned guy, and you won way more money than I did. You took a, a 90% uh, I got a little bit more back. Week. I certainly didn't <laughs> – the old Twitter <laughs> yeah, joke, yeah. Uh, how much did he win though? You know, that that's the yeah, one. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. no, it was, a, it was a good week. It's fun playing in those. I'm really pumped for the next uh, Millie Maker because it's a $100 buy-in. Uh, I still don't love the structure, and of course the you know the field size is still thirty three thousand, but it's a lot better than one hundred and seventy five thousand to play against. But then you got to put up more money, so uh, it'll be exciting. It'll be different. I'm interested in that. See how it goes. Yeah, I don't play the Millie Maker that much. I, I it's the worst. Throw, yeah, I usually throw like one lineup. I threw one lineup. If it's a hundred bucks next time, I probably won't even throw one lineup in. Do, do you guys uh, have lot? Can you guys have lotteries besides the Powerball? Like, can you buy a lottery ticket every week if you wanted to? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's Powerball. There's like Mega Millions. There's like local state-run lotteries that go like two or three times a week. So, yeah, there's plenty of those. 
Okay, so uh, the reason I brought it up is just because I was going to say playing the Millie Maker is like um, what what I did wrong here with the with lottery tickets. I started doing my own numbers with lottery tickets, and I've been doing it for you know years now. And the problem is I can't go away from them because now I, they're engraved in my head. So if I forgot to buy the ticket and saw my numbers come up, I would be pissed. And it's still terrible. The lottery sucks, much like the Millie Maker. But it's the same concept: is is you you feel like if you missed out on it, you you played all those times, you almost have to be in it. But it's absolutely the worst structure. Period. Yeah, yeah. You know, I believe that. And if it's a hundred dollars, I'm probably not going to play it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I have a I have a set bankroll like five. You know, at most I'll play six hundred dollars uh, for the majors. And if I do that, and I have a hundred dollar buy in for that, it's. I mean, I do like the $50 double ups and sometimes $100 double ups, but those are different. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to yeah. throw $100 on, on that. Probably not. Uh, but let's let's move on. We got that coming up here a few weeks for the U.S. Open. But this week um, is the Colonial, of course. But before we get into that, let's talk about our listener league last week. The winner was Hey, Jenny Slater. Uh, it's funny. I actually knew a Jenny Slater in high school. I wonder if that has something to do with it. Uh, he won with 416 points. Um uh, in our listener league this past week, he had Brooks Kepka at 19% owned, of course, one. Paul Casey at 20% owned, who uh, came in 29th. Patrick Cantlay, who was 32% owned, solid work there, uh, DJ Nation, at 74.5 points. Adam Scott, who looked better with the long putter. Uh, again, I don't know why he doesn't just keep that in his bag all the time. 15% owned, uh, finished in eighth. Gary Woodland with a really good Sunday charge that probably left left him up at the leaderboard on Sunday. He was seven point five percent owned, finished eighth, and he had Keegan Bradley Messersmith, ten uh, percent owned, uh, finished in twenty ninth place. So he didn't have a single guy outside the top thirty. Uh, he had the winner and three other top ten guys. A really really solid lineup by Hey Jenny Slater. What did you think of the lineup? Yeah, solid. Um, hey, Jenny Slater, I, I've seen them around before, actually, so that's cool. They uh, they got the win here. Uh, li- lineup was strong. It wasn't really uh, you know super contrarian, but it wasn't necessary. It was just play the best plays. You know, we we talked about Keegan, loved Cantlay, Casey. Uh, you know, Scott made sense, especially like you say, he brought that putter back. The differentiator was Woodland for him, and and I wasn't uh, as big on him. But if you look, it's it's literally the the T to green lineup. Right, these got you know solid tee to green players: Woodland, Scott, Casey, Cantley, yep. Bradley, All and started. then you fill in Brooks, who was you know the stud if you were playing. I mean, yeah, it's funny that probably Brooks is the worst ball striker out of that. That's group. what I'm saying. It's uh, just you, know, it was, you, just, pick, you yeah. pick the. We talk about it sometimes, you know, on here about correlating your lineups. And in a sense, you don't you don't have to have all six people correlated. In if you're saying, okay, I've got five of the top tee to green players. That are that are in say the top twenty in the world right now or this season, let's say, because we want inform. And then guess what? The guy that fits, and and that's this is a good example. We'll talk about it quickly because I brought it up in the past. Like last week, I had three percent X. I had five percent Brooks. That that's not even close to the field. It's beyond underweight. But how does it happen? When- the rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. I have them is in lineups like this. When I say I'm literally going to put what I want in there, these five ball strikers, let's say, and if it happens to land on Brooks, and we'll get into Spieth 
with that conversation this week, then that's where I get the contrarian piece. Even though I don't really love it, I'm just risking it anyway. It's risk versus reward. It's me putting my money up. I'm losing the money. If I think the play sucks, but I'm willing to risk it on one or two lineups that way, that's the way to do it. And, and wow, this lineup happened to fall on Brooks of all people. I mean, obviously, click it in. That's perfect. This is a solid lineup. Uh, shout out to Nick Verone in fifth. Uh, good guy on Twitter. A solid, sharp dude, and I know he got his first FGWC ticket as well, I think, so uh, congrats to him. And hey, Jenny Slater, nice work. We'll see you in the three-man. Uh, I wish we did our tally up for the year on that, Kenny, for the three-man. We should have kept stats all year. i just like to know that kind of stuff. and probably can go back and find I, it, but uh, it's always a close battle. It, it always goes to, like, Sunday, and then it gets figured out. I think you've won a little bit more than me, but it's close, and I think the listeners have won maybe three. Um, so I, I think you know, three it, is the it, number, it, yeah. Yeah, I think the listeners have won three, and I think you and me, I think you, you got a little bit of a lead. But uh, I, I, I always put the damn wrong lineup in that thing. Uh, you know, if I put my cash lineup in there every week, I'd probably win every week. But I haven't been doing that, so uh, we'll see how it goes. Oh, speaking of cash, I did get 4-4 four, four, uh, for my cash game cornerstones in last week, but they didn't really do that well. I think no one finished inside the top 25, so it wasn't even that great getting 4-4 four, four through. One of the rare weeks where I get 4-4 four, four, four out of 4 in my cash game cornerstones, and I don't win uh the other two guys both missed the cut i went vegas and and sergio but i had three choices it was like vegas sergio polter uh moore or uh casey piercy the only one that made cuts was casey piercy and i don't even think that lineup would have cashed if it went six for six so yeah pretty horrible week uh so that's why we're getting to this new week before we get into the new week and talk about this course i'd like to talk about one of our new sponsors gupscorner.com we're working with gups corner uh gup really really great guy really really sharp dude uh you know this past week for the uh pga championship the t- 10 subscribers of gupscorner.com made four figures in profit with less than 150 dollars in entry fees so these guys know what they're doing they help out a lot uh you know gups has his rankings tambo has his article over there michael ruvello has his article bucks is one of the best course descriptions out there uh they do bets uh they do a great slack chat so use promo code dgen25 you can get uh 25 off a monthly membership which is only 14.99 or you can get 25% off a yearly membership, which is $119. And the yearly membership is worth it because it'll go through football. Uh, they're really good at NFL. All those guys are really good at NFL. This includes all sports. So it's definitely worth it. Go check it out. Go to gupscorner.com. Use promo code DGEN25. Get $25 or 25% off a sub. All right. So now let's get in to this week the pga store tour stays in tech is in texas this week as golfers tackle uh the uh, the uh charles schwab invitational from colonial country club as the name of the tournament suggests this is an invite only tournament with a smaller field of just around 125 golfers with the cut still being top 70 in ties only around 50 golfers will be cut rather than a normal 80 or so uh the course is definitely a little bit you can apply a little bit more risk uh, especially in your cash lineup and stuff, I think, when there's only this amount of people uh, that that get cut. Uh, the course seems to favor experienced golfers. Since 2001, the winners of this event have averaged around seven appearances at Colonial before their victory. Only eight golfers in 68 years have gotten their maiden victory here. 
two years ago, Jordan Spieth was the youngest winner, or three years ago, uh, Jordan Spieth was the youngest winner at Colonial since 2001. The year before, Chris Kirk won at 27 years old. The youth movement has taken over the winner's circle here two of the last four years, but every other golfer that won here between 2002 and 2018 was above 31 years old, including Justin Rose last year. The youth movement has been strong the last, you know, the last couple of years. So, so I'm not saying a 20 something can't win or won't win, but it wouldn't, shouldn't be a shock if the winner this week bucks the recent trends and is a veteran uh, on tour. Weather also plays a big factor as it does on most Texas courses. The winning score here has fluctuated between minus nine and minus 21 the last decade or so. The biggest reason for the scoring difference is the weather. Uh, looking at the weather report for this week, it doesn't look like there'll be much precipitation during the event, but there is rain in the forecast Tuesday and Wednesday. The big issue this week will be the wind, as 20-mile-per-hour winds will be the norm all week with possible gusts in the 30-mile-per-hour range. Now, make sure you check the weather report Wednesday night to see if there will be any advantages in specific tee time waves. So Colonial Country Club is a 7,200-yard par 70 course with four par threes and two only two par fives. The par five first hole is reachable in two by most golfers, and if the fairways are playing firm, the par five 11th could be reachable by longer hitters as golfers will need to take advantage of the rollout. Uh, there aren't too many eagles at Colonial, but these two par fives are still very gettable, especially when compared to the rest of the course. Now, off the tee, golfers will see tree-line, tight tree-line fairways with bunkers in play on most tee shots and water a factor on few holes. Uh, the rough isn't too high, but it is wiry, and it has a penchant for grabbing golf balls and st- sinking them to the bottom of the grass. Like In other words, the majority of golf balls hidden in the rough won't be fluffed up like we've seen at some courses throughout the year so far. Uh, bad lies in the rough here are the norm. Now, the course isn't overly long, so golfers should be able to navigate this rough with their short irons, but it is something to think about this week. Uh, This is definitely a thinking man's course that favors precision more than length. There are many dog legs making it much harder to just bomb drives out there. Uh, Golfers need to hit certain spots to have a clear approach to the green. Uh, Now, this leads to many golfers leaving their driver in the bag on a lot of tee shots, though, John Rahm, John Rahm has gone against a trend uh, a bit the last couple of years as he hit as he hits a lot of drivers and he at this course and he's had some success uh, on approach shots. Golfers will see small greens with a bit of undulation. Bunkers are very prevalent around the greens and they're normally set up in front of the putting surface. These bunkers will catch slightly misses approaches and we'll see a lot of work on holes where there is a headwind. The greens use bent grass and if the weather holds up, they should play firm and fairly quick with a stick meter rating of around 12. Uh, the course is very no- well known for a difficult three-hole stretch, uh, nicknamed the Horrible ho- Horseshoe. It's holes three to five. Hole three, long par four, big right-to-left dog leg that lengthens the hole even more. Got to avoid bunkers and trees on their tee shots, and they'll have mid to long iron on their approach. Uh, hole four is a 250-plus yard par three with an elevated green and bunkers short and left of the putting surface. Uh, this is the only par three on the course without a hole-in-one in tournament play, and it can be very, very hard uh, with a headwind. Uh, the par four fifth hole is a 480-plus yard long, is 480-plus yards long, and is the most difficult hole on the course. There is a slight left-to-right dog that golfers will have to be supremely accurate off the tee as there are trees and a creek to the right of the fairway and a large ditch to the left of the fairway. 
Now, on the lengthy golf, on the lengthy approach, golfers have to deal with bunkers, short right, short left, and back right of this tiny green on five. In the last 35 years of tournament play, uh, these three these three holes have played nearly 8,000 strokes over par, uh, while the other 15 holes have played a combined 800 or so over par, uh, 800 or so under par. Excuse me. Even though these holes are at the beginning of the round, the tournament could be lost early if golfers struggle here. Uh, Tambo, what are you looking for this week? Uh, a few things. One is uh, expect with the little bit of rain they're getting beforehand. I know it's supposed to clear up by the time the tournament starts, but the rick, the the rough should probably be thick and pretty poor. So uh, I would suspect you know big big thing for me is going to be more on ball striking as a whole. So strokes gained, ball striking, strokes gained approach. Uh, you want guys that put it in the fairway. Uh, the long irons from about 150 to 200, that range. So 175, 200 in there. Uh, and then the other thing is uh, a little bit of DK points. And the reason I bring it up is just because uh, we're coming off a week where placement points are more important. But I think there was only like, what was it, like five people under par. So at the end of the day, um, maybe not even one, two, three, four, five, six people. So this week I'd expect, you know, 30 or 40, that that range, even if it is going to be a little bit tougher scoring, it's still going to matter who got the points to get there. So I still want to have that as sort of a, a tiebreaker edge. You always want DK points. I'm not, you know, just explaining the obvious. I'm saying that if there's a tiebreaker on some of these good ball strikers or, or these, uh, you know, plotters that hit fairways and greens, there has been a mix of guys amongst the top in the past few years. So you want to make sure you're still getting that scoring out of the guys that are up there, not just the ones that are par, par, birdie, par, par, birdie. You want those streaks. You want those opportunities, so I'm looking for those a little bit more. Yeah, that sounds good. I mean, I, th- that's about what I'm look. That's about what I'm looking for as well. I'll probably throw in a pro, uh, par four uh, efficiency from 400 to 450 yards. I think like seven or eight of the par fours are in that range. That might be something to look at. Maybe a little bit of bogey avoidance as well. All right, so let's get to these golfers. Let's start up in this 10K range. Of course, we're going to go uh, Xander Schauffele all the way up to Mr. Justin Rose. Who you got up here there, Tambo? Really, really struggling um, at the top this week. Uh, between Rose and Rom, not Spieth. Uh, first off, I'll tell you this. So so I like Fowler. Fowler's my favorite play of the range. I kind of hope he goes a little bit overlooked because of at least Rom and Rose being above him and then people still liking Xander at 10K even. Um, Xander's a guy, you know, I know he's the major hunter, the big game, whatever you want to call it, but... Uh, Looked good at, at this major still. He still performed pretty well. But when I've got him at 10K, it's tough for me, especially with a guy like Molinari right underneath him, which we'll get to. Uh, but Fowler, I'm kind of liking because if everyone wants to go to the top three, um, we can talk about Spieth because the putting situation and you know getting it back a little and having his career best but and the history he's got here. But I'm really struggling between Rom and Rose, and, and I don't know which angle is better to take because with Rose, uh, you've got – you know, he didn't have the greatest event, but he also showed up here last year just to punch his ticket for the, the new rules and ends up winning the thing. It's certainly a course that suits him. Uh, so I like that. And then with Rom, the other side of it is, you know, he, he has a great history here, fifth and second the last couple times out. And then on top of that, he missed the weekend. So is he better off? Was re- you know, he was solid before the missed cut. Is he rested now? Is he ready to go for this? Is he going to be pissed off? Uh, that's probably going to come down to a decision based on ownership uh, in the end because it's not like I'm fading one or the other just because of it, but they're both, to me, just as equal. So if one of them is going to be much higher owned than the other, I'm taking them. But I'm really trying to stick to only a couple guys up here heavily, and it's going to be Fowler and one of those two. What do you got, Kenny? I'm exactly the same way. 
Uh, Fowler's my favorite play. I'm going to be playing him. He's actually first in strokes game putting in the last 50 rounds in this field on bent. Uh, so mm-hmm. he's, And he's always a good putter. So and he's really been good at par fours here all season, making a ton of birdies. Um, you know, good bogey avoidance as well. Fowler's my favorite play uh, up top. But I'm with you on Rose and Rom. Uh, I, I, I lean Rose a little bit just because I'm a touch worried because the way that Rom plays this course uh, the last couple of years, he doesn't play it like the normal golfer that plays this course. Rom brings out the big dog. Uh, on this course a lot, at least the times he's played it the last couple of years. Will he change his tactics after what happened last week? Maybe. Because the thing, the reason why I liked him at the PGA is because even though he's he's extremely long with that driver, he's been somewhat accurate, like more accurate than anyone else that was in the top 10 in driving distance last week, uh, hitting fairways. Now, did it work out? No, he was all over the place off the tee, and that worries me a little bit if, if that brings up on his mind. But it could just be a fluke, you know, because he has been driving the ball pretty damn well and pretty damn straight uh, prior to the PGA Championship. So I'm with you on that. Uh, it's going to be an ownership play, but I lean slightly Rose uh, right now, and I do think actually Ron will be lower owned. So that'll be a really, really hard decision. I'm not 100% sold uh, sure on either one. Fowler is my favorite uh, by far in this range. There's no doubt. I'll be using a ton of Ricky Fowler this week. All right, so let's move to this. Oh, let's talk about Spieth, though. Um, yeah, just what do you think? Uh, let's talk about Spieth. Now, here's the thing. like He did gain like 875 million strokes putting last week, and he wasn't that great tee to green. But that's like what he did before when he was good. Like his putting and short game saved him a lot, even when he was winning. Now, now, if he had a week where he was off uh, tee to green, you know, he'd still probably throw in top 10, uh, top 20s because of his putting. Now, in the last year or so, that hasn't been the case because his putter hasn't been as good. But this is sort of like what Spieth has done. Now, do I trust it after one week? No. Uh, but it is something to monitor coming through. If he keeps on putting like this, you know, and finishes 25th, you know, maybe you might have to think about something about speed here in the future because he might be finding something because this is really what his game is. You know, good short game, great putting, average tee to green. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I agree 100. I'm not. I, I don't see any way I'm getting there this week. There, there's nothing actually. Like I, I can't get there. So uh, the thing for me is more about the price. I definitely think he's closer than some think. Uh, not because he went on fire with his putter, but to your point exactly. That's what I was going to say directly. Is that this is you know can he can he keep it up for four days? Well, he, he fucking kept it up for a year before. At yeah. one point. So, is, you know what I mean? There's such a thing as a solid putter. Now, what he did this past weekend, it, it literally was a career best. I don't expect anything like that. I'm just saying if you're saying his putter can't stay with him for a four-day period, you're wrong. It can. It's speed. He's done it. Uh, you know, the scratch Twitter account that posts the joke where the hole's the size of the green, and he's just putting from anywhere, and it's going in. That That's what seems to happen with him. Now, for this week, the issue is the price increase. 10.9, I mean, he can. I think he'll come top 20 here, actually. But that's not going to do it for me at 10.9. If he finishes five under and the tournament winner's 15, another good week for Spieth, getting informed, figuring it out. What I will say is this, too. A lot of people overlook this. Um, you know, Spieth actually does play better at majors, historically, factually, whatever you want to look at. Most birdies, again, certain rounds. Justin uh, Ray posts all these crazy stats. Spieth's always in them. You just never want to trust Spieth. So uh, maybe overlooking it last week, even myself, that, that was an option to get it on for a lower price. I kind of hope he buries himself a little bit further than we can get him on, uh, get it on him at Pebble 
at like a nice 8,700 price tag. Uh, and I won't make that same mistake twice because he actually did okay for his price last week in the PGA Championship. And uh, I don't think he'll do much this week, but I think he'll do something. It's just a matter of uh, will it pay off? And to me, it won't. So I can't play him at 10.9. I'm with you. I can't play him this week, but I'm looking at him hard for the future. All right. So let's move right. on to this 9K range. Two of my cash game cornerstones are going to be in this range. Pretty easy to pick out. I mean, the first one's going to be Francesco Molinari at $9,800. Uh, you got to think a, a, a shorter course that favors, you know, uh, fairways hit uh, is going to be solid for him. He's actually really good at par fours. He's really good from the par four, 400 to 450 yard range. Approach game is solid. Uh, top 10 in bogey avoidance in his last 50 rounds. The majority of irons. Uh, hit here are from 150 to 175 yards. He's third. Uh, he's ranked third in in that in the last 50 rounds, all according to uh, Fantasy National, of course. So I do like Francesco Molinari. He'll be my first cash game cornerstone pick. My second one's going to be Paul Casey. Now, if you take away like the um, if you take away the Pete Dye courses where he's not really that great on, and you take away the majors, or the PGA. You know, all the regular tournaments that he's played, other than the Pete Dye Heritage, he's top 20 every single time. Maybe I think top 25 every single time. The guy's been having a pretty good season, been extremely consistent outside of those Pete Dye courses. And last week at the PGA, well, you still made the cut. Um, and so I do like Paul Casey. Again, iron play solid, T to green solid, uh, you know, top 10 in drafting points in the last 50 rounds. Uh, good from the proximity ranges I'm looking for. Makes a ton of birdies. And, you know, he's he's accurate off the tee. So I really like those two as my first cash game cornerstone picks. Those are the guys that I'll be riding on. Um, I do like Usti as well. Uh, I think he finished top five here uh, last year. He started uh, last week pretty okay. Fell on the weekend. Same with the other guys. Had trouble on Sunday. Um, but I do like him at this course. It's, it seems like it could fit him really good around the greens. That's one thing that we didn't really talk about. These greens are small. Uh, if the wind blows, you're going to have to be good uh, chipping and putting, uh, at least chipping uh, it, it, on this course. I do like him. He's never really highly owned. Uh, so I do like Usti as a, as a GPP play. And I'll probably throw some Bryson in there. Either Bryson. Has it been a while since you flipped that thermostat from heat to cool? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services before you do for an $88 AC start and check to make sure your AC is in tip-top shape. Griffith specializes in carrier, but services all brands. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today. Your local carrier expert. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Doggone dependable. New hot and iced Sunrise Batch Coffee from Dunkin'. A bright and balanced, full-bodied blend, brewed so you can get summering from sunrise to sunset. And even after that, because that's when you can show off those string lights you hung in the backyard. Or re-hung. Enjoy a medium, hotter, iced Sunrise Batch Coffee for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. Finau. I'm going to play one of those two as well. I'm not really sure. They're not my favorite plays, but I'm going to play, you know, I, I can't, I don't play my cash game cornerstones that much in GPPs, though I might change that a little bit for Molinari uh, this week, so. I got to play another guy in this 9K range. Even though they're not my favorite, I'll probably decide between Bryson and DeChambeau at some time this week. Who do you like better, 
uh, out of those two, at least, there, Tampa. What do you think? Bryson. Uh, I was going to say that. Actually, I bring it up. Uh, I really like Casey. Casey's uh, probably my favorite play, maybe on the slate at 9300 just because I don't think that price is right, even though it's high. I get it. I'm just saying if you're going to price other guys way up and some guys way down, it just doesn't seem – something doesn't seem right about it to me. So Casey's my favorite, but – Another situation where we're getting a guy that, you know, I get it, his recent form is bad, but it's his last two tournaments that he missed the cut at. Before that, it was, you know, 29th, 40th, 20th. He's got more upside than that. We know he can win. Uh, He pulled together really at any time. Uh, His stats line up decently. Like this is, it should be a spot. He made the cut here last year and got 42nd. So uh, much better golfer since that time uh, and much better results. So, uh, at 9,400, the guy that actually wins versus Fino that never wins, I would be on Bryson uh, there. My first T3PO actually comes in this range is dropping down a little bit, and I'm surprised um, you're, you're not as heavy on him, I guess, uh, with Kisner. But uh, Kisner is the course history guy, right? And one of them anyway, and, and the win just two years ago here. And I don't know. I, I don't want to, I know he's solid. I know he's a good play, but he's the one that seems expensive. Like how is Kisner 92 Casey's 93? I don't know. You know, you got, you want a match play you have the course history. I guess you could balance that, but uh, I like Poulter. Uh, I'll always like Poulter and I especially like him here. He's, uh, you know, 14 out of 15 cuts on the season before his missed cut just this weekend. He was 10th, 12th, 17th in the previous stats all line up. I mean, Poulter to me has the upside at 9,100. We saw him win in Texas, uh, at the Houston Open over Bo Hostler in the playoff a couple of years ago. So uh, Poulter over Kisner is my first one. Uh, is that, I guess that's it, unless we want to drop right into the, the 8,900 and below. Go ahead. It, yeah, if you don't have nothing else to add, we'll, we'll pop into there, Kenny. So for, right off the top, first guy is at 8,900. Kind of hoping he goes overlooked this week because uh, his price is up and it's, you know, people like the Kokrak train, but I'm not sure if they'll still be sniffing the same stuff because – uh, you know, for me, he lines up nicely. Eighty nine hundred bucks, fair price. Doesn't miss cuts. It's obviously an already a, an event where you can make more cuts. He's got upside. You know, he's got top fifteen, top ten upside, and maybe he will pull a win off and finally get one. Uh, I really like him. I really like Grillo at uh, eighty seven hundred. Another guy, stats third here last year, twenty fourth the year before. Doesn't miss cuts. Uh, perfect type of course setup, stats lineup. Still like Piercy. Uh, I think Piercy could go overlooked. I'm going to be back in uh, in on Piercy. And at the end of the day, Piercy's back up in price. So he was just 6500 It seemed like uh, nobody really wanted him. But then in all the high-stakes tournaments, he was uh, mass-owned because people just saw what that would open up for your lineups for a guy like that. And he still didn't have to crush it. He came 41st, but he still did the job uh, for 6500 He sort of gave it away on the on the weekend or Sunday there. Um other than that, not too many other guys. Maybe a, a little taste of Fitzpatrick uh, and then a taste of Joel Dahman just to have a little bit of him. But for this range, that'll be about it otherwise. What do you got, Kenny? Grillo's my favorite play uh, in this range. I think what you said is correct. This course should suit him, hitting a lot of fairways, hitting a lot of greens, uh, good from the proximity ranges that we're looking for. One thing that I was shocked to find out about Grillo is he's actually the fourth Highest, he's ranked number four in strokes gained putting um, on bent grass greens in the last 50 rounds in this field. That's wild, right? I mean, Grillo is not Grillo is not <laughs> known as even a good putter, uh, but he's ranked fourth on bent grass greens 
in the last 50 rounds in this field, which I just it opened my eyes. I was like, well, shit, if he can putt, uh, this could be the course for him. So I'm a huge fan of Grillo this week. Um, I also do like Horschel as well. Another guy, I think he's six in strokes game putting on bent grass in the last 50 rounds. Uh, another guy who never really misses a cut. Uh, you know, it still hits a lot of greens. Good from 150 to 175 yards. I think he'll be overlooked this week. I don't think he'll be very popular. Uh, Billy Horse, no, no one's really talking him up. Um, I do like Joel Dahlman as well. And I like Kokrak in this range also, just like you. Uh, but Kokrak's up there. And now the thing about Kokrak is I think he's either going to top five or he's going to miss the cut. Because either w- one of these two things is going to happen. Because he's been on a good roll here lately. It's either going to come to an abrupt end or it's going to go into something really good. I mean, I think he had a runner-up here or a top five here recently, but maybe he can get that win. You know, maybe he can get that win. We'll see. Uh, so I'm definitely going to use Kokrak, GPP only for me uh, this week. So let's move to the 7K range. The uh, My third cash game cornerstone pick is going to be right up top. It's going to be Brant Snedeker, who's been looking a lot better tee to green here recently. Good form at this course. We already know he's one of the best putters out there. Really good chipper. So, you know, putting chipping is going to be a big thing here, especially if it's windy. And, of course, we all know Brent Snedeker has played well in the wind in the past. Uh, so uh, I do like Brent Snedeker as my third cash game cornerstone pick. And my last cash game cornerstone pick, I'm a little iffy. I, I tried to decide between Russell Knox and Matt Jones because I wanted to leave. I had some people saying that they wanted a lower price guy in my cash game cornerstones, even though I do leave $15,000 under the cap usually, uh, you know, to fill out your lineups. Somebody said something about going a little bit lower. So I'm going to go a little bit lower this week. I'm going to go Russell Knox. A uh, little bit stressed over this pick, uh, but I'm going with it. Three, three straight top 25s here uh, at Colonial. Uh, approach game really really good hits a ton of fairways hits a ton of greens um good from the from 400 to 450 yards 11th in bogey avoidance in his last 50 rounds in this field top 20 in strokes gained tee to green in his last 50 rounds in this field and his best putting surface is bent grass he's a horrible putter but his best putting surface is bent so uh, I'm going to go Russell Knox as my final cash game cornerstone pick. So my four cash game cornerstones for this week are going to be Francesco Molinari at 9,800, Paul Casey at 9,300, Brant Snedeker at uh, 7,900, and Russell Knox at 7,400. This leaves you like well over 15,000. I'm thinking like 15,5, 15,6, something like that to fill out the rest of your lineup. It gives you plenty of of options. So those are my two cash game plays. Uh, up top, I sort of like Ter- Terrell Hatton. Um, he said it after the round that he was striking the ball uh, tremendously uh, at Beth Page Black. One of his better uh, ball striking performances, at least in his own words. He did gain strokes uh, on his approaches. So I'm hoping that can lead to a little bit of a resurgence this week uh, on a course where I think that could suit him. Uh, really good chipper. Uh, really good around the greens, hits a ton of greens. He's actually 13th and birdie or better game in the last 50 rounds in this field. Uh, so I do like uh, Hatton as a GPP play. And I think I'm rostering all Koreans this week. So I'm in on Siwoo Kim. I'm in on Sung JM. I'm in on Danny Lee. Uh, those three guys, uh, Koreans in this range, they all, you know, first off, I think uh, Sung Jae, a lot of Koreans live in this area. I'm not sure about these three. I, th- I think they might. I think Siwoo does. I think Sungjae does as well. I'm not 100% sure. But they all have ties to this area, uh, mostly because of KJ Choi. 
the godfather of Korean golf who who resides uh, in Texas. I, I think Sungjae, for Sungjae, I think this is the type of course where he can succeed at. Uh, it's not too long. Uh, you know, it's 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 not like a, a super test. I mean, it's a hard course, but it's not like impossible like last week or, you know, one of these really hard courses out there. So I sort of like some JMC Woo Kim, another guy, GPP play. You can basically throw him in almost every week where there's a course under 7,300 yards as a GPP play. I mean, shorter the course, the better for C. Woo. Um, uh, who do you like up top here, Tambo? Yeah, you you took Snedeker. Uh, yeah, I'm sort of all my T3POs this week are fading some course history guys, and the first one was Poulter over Kisner. the The second one here is Snedeker over Zach Johnson. Uh, you know, Zach Johnson. I haven't heard much of him yet, but I'm I'm certain he'll pick up a little bit of speed as the week goes on, just because of his history here. Uh, he's got two two wins at Colonial in the past, so um, knows the course hasn't been doing much lately, but when people see that, sometimes they sort of hop aboard and I'm with you on Snedeker. I, I think, uh, he even posted on Twitter, you know, a little bit of inspiration from the Brooks win there. Hashtag I got to do better. So, uh, he wants to get in form. You know, I think he's a good play at pebble. And that's like, we talked about at the top of the show is, you know, the, the, with the new schedule, there's not much time. You got to figure your shit out. You got to get your game together because the next major is just ahead. And I think we want to see that. And Snedeker seems underpriced at $7,900. Gup brought that up earlier when we did the Smash Factor pod. And I was like, holy shit, $7,900. I leaned on that right away. And I think that's a great play. Other guy you didn't mention that I like. I like your M call. um, But I actually like McDowell over Hatton. It's not a T3PO or anything, but it's sort of a – it's another pivot for sure. I like your your call on Hatton, but – you know, first timer McDowell's got a, you know, stat wise, he pops for me a little bit more on some of the key categories, uh, better putter too, uh, as well. Still making cuts this season, like crazy, obviously got his win, but he's still not into port rush. So, I mean, here and pebble, I don't know what else he's playing in between, but I mean, he's got a 29th here two years ago. His streak right now is run is 29th, 48th, seventh and first. It uh, seems to set up well for him, 7800 bucks. I think that's a fair price, too, uh, for a guy who just won a few weeks back, uh, whatever the event was or not. You know, he's still a, a guy that can win on tour. So um, I like that play. And then the other one here is, well, two more, and then we, I'll let you take the bottom end of the 75. But answer, at $7,600, I, I really like him this week. Um, 16th the last time out, stats-wise, he lines up. Uh, and if you look back at some of his stuff, he's he's quoted as saying he loves bent grass greens. So he, you know, he's a guy that can putt well, uh, good from you know par four scoring. He, he's got DK scoring, fairways gained. Like he's popping up in some categories for me that I like. Um, so I'm gonna roll answer out pretty heavy in GPPs. And then of course Benny on man at seventy five hundred dollars. If this guy just finds a putter for one week, man, he's he sets up to me so well for this course. He might be the guy that burns me, but at seventy five hundred bucks, those stats for that period of time, and just literally the red that sticks out from putting, it's just insane. So I'm hoping. I, I, I don't hate the Benny on play. The one thing is, bent grass is his best putting surface. He still right. sucks. And if he, it, it he still sucks true, at he's it. Still not good, <laughs> but, but it's his best. <laughs> that's what I mean. So uh, you got to roll with that, man. That, that's who I'm going to go with there, and then. I got more plays down below, but who do you like below 7,500? Below 7,500, I do like Russell Knox. Like I said, cash game cornerstone. I do like Matt Jones, who's been playing really good golf, relying mostly on his putter. 
Uh, but again, he's usually always a good putter. Uh, so it's another guy. His stats really don't aren't eye popping, but his results are. He's been playing exceptional golf. So I'll be using him. That's why it was such a struggle between those two. Is like stats or form, stats or form. I went stats this week, uh, and, and and a little bit of course history too, because Russell Knox has played well here uh, in his three appearances, three straight top twenty fives. Uh, other guys, like I guess I did say, I do like Danny Lee. Another guy who just crushes this course, good with his irons. Uh, you know, he's you know hits enough greens. Top 25 and birdie or better gain in the last 50 rounds in this field. So, I'll, you know, it's it's Korea week for me. Uh, other guys down a little bit lower. Uh, Bill Haas, another guy, course history guy, plays well. Had some decent showings here recently. And Brian Stewart at 7,100. This is the type of course where you think Brian Stewart can go well at. A short course, a technical course, a grinding type course. And, and I think Stewart can do okay. What about you? <laughs> yeah, I'm probably going to off myself when, you know, I see a lineup of something stupid like Haas, Stewart, Furick, all these guys, Von Taylor, you know, throw them into the old man lineup and watch. They all just grind it out and I'll get the to – The old man ball well, out here, my friend. The old man ball yeah, out that's here. That's right. And I'll, I'll start with one because below 7,500, that's my last T3PO and then I'll recap them. Again, Danny Lee, course history guy, solid course history, lives in the area, knows the course – uh, looked solid at the PGA Championship for a little bit there. He was showing up on the board, and you probably think I'm playing him because of all that, but the guy I'm going to is Old Man Furyk, uh, right above him. Uh, well, same price, but but on the chart or last name, I guess. But uh, Furyk is the guy I like, and, and it's scary a little bit because two missed cuts at the PGA Championship, but, I mean, that doesn't nearly set up well for yeah, him. At that, it, long that course is way too long. But uh, yeah. RBC Heritage is, is where I expected him to do well, um, but before that, if you look at these courses, you know, even Genesis, but Honda, ninth, Players, second, Valspar, 18th, Valero, Texas Open, 23rd, solid tee to green, solid approach, decent putter, nothing crazy, had a hot putter at the Players, but decent putter at all the other ones. I mean, this is the type of course, if it's going to be a minus 12, minus 15 range for that type of score, that's when Furyk can compete. This dude hits fairways and greens all day can get the putter roll, and he's got some of the best stats in the entire field. Um, I'm going to take him and hope that everyone goes the Danny Lee way. So I'll go Furyk. You mentioned Knox, who I like, so I won't rehash it, but I think you nailed it, uh, and I don't think your decision is bad. I'm not the the cash game expert here, but just knowing from you know the idea of the floor and ceiling, I think you're in good shape with Knox, especially with the, you know, the bank grass thing you talked about. But I like Matt Jones, uh, and a little tidbit today is Matt Jones also – uh, you, you only get to pick like two. There's two U.S. Open qualifiers, and you get to pick which one you go to. And if you queue in the top ten or whatever, they give away. It's like a DFS tournament. There's ten seats to the big show, and he actually got a seat today. And they say this course sort of lines up a little bit to Colonial that he was playing out there. So I kind of like him for GPPs. He has been uh, on a pretty good streak. Been hitting the ball really well. I don't really bring any, any of his old stuff into play here, but a 5th, 38th, 30th, 18th, and 13th at a course where he's likely to make the cut at 7,400. I do like that. Uh, and then the only other guys that I have here that I'll hit on are one is Johnny Vegas, back to the well, punishment. Uh, I, I know he just killed us at the PGA Championship, or me at least, but I still think he suits uh, suits this course here, and I think he sets up well. I do like him. And then my guy, my Canadian guy, is the last one here, Corey Connors. Uh, eighth tier last year, but you know, before people think he's ran brand new or something out of the woodworks because he won a Monday Q and then won the tournament. 
But, you know, he's been around. He's still played. He was eighth there last year. He's got some good results. He's solid on approach. Seven out of his last eight events, he's gained strokes on approach. Uh, to me, that's a big number because, like I said, that's important here. Uh, he keeps it in the fairway. And if you look at his stats across the board, solid from 150 to two, 150 to 175, solid from 175 to 200. First in greens and regulation uh, in the last 50 rounds, second in strokes gain approach, and third in strokes gain ball striking. Uh, he'll probably be a, a solid GPP play core type play for me there. Other than that, uh, the only other one I had your qu- a question on for you was, uh, you didn't mention him, is Neiman at 7,100. I need to be sold on him further. What's your take on Neiman? Uh, I'm still not on Neiman. Neiman. Um, I, you know, his iron game strong, his tee to green game strong. Ball striking is good. I just I don't think he's there yet. I'm not going to roster him. Eight I do like that Corey Connors call. Yeah, eight tier last year, and he was. But that was on his run, though. That was when he was on his little bit of a run when he, he was the top. I think 10 he's top better 10. on bent though as well. I'm pretty sure he's horrible on Bermuda, and he's good on bent. I'd have to dig in a little bit further, but um, solid ball striker though. That's yep. what I'm thinking, yeah, right? Ben, ben is, bent, bent is his best putting surface. That is true, my friend. That's yeah, true. I'm going to have him in some GPPs. I'm selling myself now. I needed to get another opinion to. Hash it out, and that was one of the things I was going to deep dive into. So I, I like some Neiman as well at seventy one hundred. I, I like how you decided to use him after I said that I didn't want to use him. So that's that's a very very sharp move by you there, Tampa. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty telling, right? Very sharp. Right let me get Kenny's opinion on this. Oh, Kenny doesn't like him. All right, I'm fucking using him. Hell yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <That's perfect>. you, <laughs> you tell me about these guys then too. You, you might maybe you'll fade me. There was two more I forgot. Both at the very bottom and it's because i had a piece set up for them one is kramer hickok and i'm calling him spieth light right so why pay 10.9 for spieth when you can get hickok for seven thousand? right yeah. so so we'll go with that yeah i don't know about and then that the one. other one i like i like hickok but i wouldn't call him spieth like i'm gonna use him the guy is like you know hometown guy this is his area i think this is one of his home courses so he knows what the what would the odds be that you would give me on hickok to beat spieth this week uh, I think it can easily happen, but I'm just talking about like in a grand scheme of things. He's not, oh, he okay. Got, I was trying. To, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, I think I'll, I can get somebody on that. I'm going to post it in the Slack chat at Gups. Um, what about uh, ZJ Light, Ollie Schneider, Jens with ZJ's caddy having a bit better season since he went that move, and now he goes to the course that ZJ won at twice I, I with like, ZJ's caddy. I like Ollie better at courses where you need to hit long irons more. You know, the majority of your, 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 you know, you're hitting close to 50, like 40% of your shots, 50% uh, around the 150, 175, 125, 150 range. Uh, you know, if it was like majority 175 to 200, 200 plus, that's usually when I use Ollie. He's always been good with his long irons. I probably won't touch him here. So that, that's your Neiman. So I'm using Neiman and Schneider Jens, and there you're you not using either of them. No, so that's perfect. There you go. That's going to sum up our week next week is Neiman and Schneider Jens versus nobody well, um, that Kenny wants to play. So you he'll might take have, the other guys around. Bill Haas. You might have you might have taught me in a Neiman. I might play a little bit of Neiman, but uh, I probably won't play Ollie. All right, so, uh, let's go into okay. this. Let's go into the six K range. Uh, I'll go ahead and get us started here. Uh, up top, I do like Kevin Streelman, who's been playing a couple of sixth place finishes. Uh, he's been playing pretty strong golf here recently. If you look just at his uh, last twelve rounds played, he's actually sec- ranked second in my model uh, in this field. I know it's just recent form and it's extremely recent, but like when you get down to this 
cheap range. I mean, sometimes it's what you have to go on. And this iron game's been really good, been hitting a ton of greens, really good from 400 to 450 yards. I'll use a little bit of Streelman. I do like Sean Stefani. Uh, I think there's two rules in life. Uh, never start a land war in Russia. Uh, and then uh, always roster Sean Stefani whenever they're in Texas. So uh, yeah, I'll be rostering Stefani, another guy who's been playing pretty decent golf here recently. Uh, really good approaches here in the, in the past few months. His iron game's been exceptionally strong. I think he's had some decent performances here uh, at this event, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, I could be wrong. I don't have it in front of me. I'm actually taking a peek right now. Uh, I also do like uh, Dougie Seaweed Gim, Seaweed Doug. Uh, I'll be using a little bit of Seaweed Doug. Seaweed Gim. <laughs> seaweed Doug has played pretty well last week or last time he was out. Maybe he's been playing decent on the web.com tour. Uh, I'll be using him. Vaughn Taylor, another guy uh, in this range. Been really good at this course. Couple of top twenties in his last uh, two times played here. This is the type of course him and Stewart are sort of alike, where you get these grinded out type short courses that are tight, that are really technical. Uh, I feel like that should bring um, Von Taylor into the fold here a little bit. A couple of like low guys, uh, David Toms, uh, old man Toms. Again, like I said, this is an old man course. And, and David Toms is an old man. But he finished second uh, behind Steve Stricker at the major, uh, the senior major that they had before the PGA Championship. He's been playing well on the senior tour. He's had extremely good course history here. He's destroyed this course throughout his career. Uh, so that's another guy that I look at, uh, old man Toms in this range. And then I guess maybe some Ben Crane, even though he's been sucking. Another guy who just crushes this course. And for, what, $6,300, 60 200 or whatever he costs, I think it's worth taking a flyer. Who do you like in this range? Real quick, just like, yeah, so who did you just talk about again? It was um, Tom's? Yeah, David, David Tom's. Tom's. Okay. Yeah. So, like, I don't want to say I'm against you again just to say it. I'm just like, this is what I'm, this is a thing, though, with something like that. So, I don't, this guy makes the cut, I'm sure of it, like you said, but in this week where you only have 125 people or whatever it is, and already you're going to have a higher percentage of the field, make the cut. I want like some firepower coming out of this range. So you're like, not I'll, I'll take Denny. you're not wrong. You're not yeah. Wrong. Like I'm saying like you're going to get your six out of six with David Toms. I'm just trying to, you know, help everybody out that's listening. And then yeah. like you're mentioning it, just trying to just give you my thought process on it. Like Denny McCarthy and Bo Hostler are right there. They absolutely carry bigger risk. No doubt. Uh, Doug Gim, you mentioned who's a, a better call. I would just delete that dude out of your pool and roll with these guys and just hope that they get there. Because if they get there, they're going to score so many more DK points than Tom's would. And they actually have firepower to get up the board. Like Bo Hostler almost won the Houston open two years ago. Like, yes, he's disappeared, but what if he comes back, right? Doug Gim, like you said, tearing up the web tour. Uh, he's always like a top four betting odds at the web tour events. Like he's capable. He has upside cam champ. There's all these riskier plays, but I think you have a, when you have better odds of getting six out of six through, uh, I would go that route. Now for the plays that I really like. So I mentioned Denny McCarthy. I think he's got upside, been playing well. Uh, always like Adam Shank, 6,500. I think that's pretty cheap. He's got good long irons. He's good on par fours, strong approach. When he gets it fired up, he can score. So I'll take him. Uh, and then dropping down, like probably um, Ryan Armour at 6,100, right? He, he's a good call, I would say, at 6,100. Him, Carlos Ortiz is there. 
Uh, I'll try and get some of these guys into a few lineups anyway, just to see what they're like. And there was one more. Oh, you said him, Streelman. Streelman at 6,900. I think he's going to get chalky, but we have seen this in the last couple weeks as well, where, you know, Nate Lashley a couple weeks ago was supposed to be the chalk and you need to fade him. And then he came in at like 8%. I, I get that's kind of chalk for a, a cheap guy. But like you could have fifteen percent and be way over and, yep. and not be dead. You could have ten percent and still have leverage yep. technically. Yep. So for me, I, I still play those guys, and I, I kind of like um, this lower range this week. If you want to build some of those, um, you know, higher upside lineups, assuming you're getting through the cut because the cut's smaller. It's not always going to work out, but it's just a strategy that I have. Yeah, I'm definitely going to use some of these, a, a bunch of these guys in the six K range, just because when you look up, when you look at the uh, the pricing. Like once you get below nine thousand dollars, it's a huge drop off in overall talent, like career talent. You know, you go from Usti, you know, who's won a major, who's been runner up uh, at all these majors, at every single major, and then you go to Kokrak, Sabatini, Grillo, Piercy as the next four guys right behind Usti in price. So yeah. I want to use as many like three. I'm gonna have a bunch of lineups with three guys over nine k. Because these guys are just so much, just another level compared to everyone else, and I, you know, and you could just you could do it pretty easy. You could do Molinari, Casey, and Usti, and still have only one six K guy, really, you know, because of the, of the way the pricing is working. So yeah, I, I, I I'm going to be using a bunch of these guys down here below, and I like the one you, you, you made a good point though. I, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say you, you made a good point there because it's that's a great way uh, it's a good segue you know as far as my mindset goes to talk about it real quick uh, just because I was just spitting about it down below but um, I think a lot of people will see that as the week goes on that you can fit three nine k guys in and get the low low guys and I, and I don't hate that I like it a lot actually but you know when people ask me all the time how many guys should be in my pool if I'm doing 150 lineups I'm starting out in multi entry. And, the, and I always say there's no right answer because there really isn't. I've seen a guy win 100K with 18 people in a pool with 150 lineups, 18 people, and just got it right. And I've seen uh, he, he could lose on a lot of weeks too because it's high risk, high reward. But then I've also seen guys with 60 people in their pool or even more get that lucky lineup or that not lucky, but let's just say one diamond in the rough lineup that pulls it off. So when I build my lineups uh, with having 150, I'll build a lot of lineups like that, Kenny, because I love that. Because like you said, the talent level. But th- that set of lineups, let's say I do 50 lineups like that. I might come back and do like 30 lineups that start at, and, and not necessarily start at Kokrak, but use one 9K guy and then start into this 8K range because I know a lot of people are skipping over it. Yeah, and just a what different I'm doing. Range, right? Right, my pool will be bigger. Someone say, "Holy shit, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's using sixty people." They're not understanding that I'm building them in sets, right? Uh, so I'm okay with taking the risk. Yes, I would do better if I had just got the set right and put all one hundred and fifty the same way, because then I would have covered more combinations. But as far as risk versus reward goes, what if the thirty set does extremely well? It can still smash. That's still thirty lineups smashing the top that maybe one of them pulls through. The, it's it's I'm not just building one-off randoms. I'm saying, but I might build them in sets, and that's why sometimes I'll have a pool of sixty guys, but I'm way heavier on thirty of them. But that's where those tricklers come in at five percent. Now I don't like to be lower than five. Last year it was ten for me. I've changed it a little bit because there's a lot of these one percenters that you can get around five percent and still do damage if you get them in because normally your core that you have thirty percent of 
you know, you're hoping they do well and there should be a reason you're on them. And when they do well, now you get some of these guys trickling into them and not just in that one lineup where you're hoping for the nuts, right? 5% is going to be around seven or eight lineups in 150 lineups. So, um, you know, seven and a half is the average. So whatever it ends up showing up in, that's why I'm saying that. And it's just to bring a little strategy to the pod this week because uh, we don't always do that. But I, I like to always think it through and maybe talk it through so we can have some uh, some good feedback for everybody out there. All right. That sounds good, my friend. Let's uh, move on to this betting segment. Take us away there, Tambo. Yeah, betting segment sponsored by betql.co. I want to head over to this site, download the app. It's available on the iTunes store as well as the Android Google Play store. Uh, really just looking at a couple things. One of, one of the two of the biggest things I would say, one is the value bets that they have. So you can see they value range what looks like the best bets for the day or the week or whatever it is you're looking at on the site. Uh, and then you can take that to your book and put them in and, and go from there. Uh, the other big thing is it shows all of the public line movement. Um, goes with the betting lines. It talks about to the line movements. But uh, you want to see who the public's putting their money on because if everyone thinks it's going to go a certain way, it's not saying to fade the public all the time. But there's often times where you can see an angle, much like we do with picking a golfer. When I'm pivoting off guys, I'll say I can st- I'm not just doing it because everyone's on them. I don't like doing that. I'll do it because everyone's on them and I see a reason on the other guy. It's the same with betting uh, in that sense in a way. So uh, with that said, Kenny, I, I don't have a lot for this week right now. I've got three or four here. Uh, I'll go through them first. First one is Poulter at 40 to 1. Uh, I think that number's a little bit too big for uh, Poulter here. Like you said, talent overall, he's in that 9K and above range. Certainly can win here. Uh, I like Poulter at 40 to 1. Uh, Benny Ann at 100 to 1 with the each way I've got. Uh, really just needs to find the putter. So it's sort of a FOMO bet, you know, fear of missing out. But uh, I want to make sure if he does eventually ever turn that putter around, I'm on him. Uh, solid ball striker. We know that as we talked about. Jimmy Walker, who I didn't talk about for DFS purposes, but mainly just the range that he's in. I, I like some of the other guys there. But at 90 to 1 with the each way, he's good and he's better in Texas, I should say. We know that. So it's sort of like your Stefani take. Uh, Walker can do the same and he's. Been a solid talent. I'm not sure if he's uh, going to get rejuvenated here or whatnot, but uh, he could pop at any time. And then I've got uh, Kramer Hickok and Ollie both at 140 to 1 with the each way. I mentioned them, uh, ZJ Light and Speeth Light for big odds. What do you All got? Right, so I got two short odds, two medium odds, and two long shots. So my two short odds guys are going to be Ricky Fowler at 14 to 1. I'll go ahead and bite that number down um, because I think he has a really, really good chance to win this week. I'm going to go Paul Casey at 28 to one. Um, I, I just sort of, in this field, I, I don't hate that number. I mean, it's not great, but I don't hate that number. It's not like Bavada gives great numbers, anyways. So I, I do like Casey at 28 to one. I'll take Snedeker at 50 to one. I'll take Grillo at 45 to one. Those are my two mid mid picks, and then I'll go Bill Haas at 110 to one. Kramer Hickok at 150 to one. Probably top 20s and top 10s on both of those guys as well. All right, one and done. Who you got? I got Paul Casey. Um, I was happy to find him in my pool to be able to use him. So, uh, I, like I said, I'd never, I've told you, I, I pretty much used up everybody. So, to have him here, I was pretty excited. I'm sure he'll burn me in both DFS and one and done at 9,300 in the bounce back spot. But uh, I'm taking him in one and done. Who do you got? So, I'm either Casey or Rose. Like, I'm in the top 75 now overall uh, in Gup's uh, one and done. And for this segment, I picked Kepka. So like I'm only like a hundred thousand behind first 
in the segment. It's only been two segments long. So I might go for the gusto again and start just use the rest of my great guys uh, in these next six weeks to see if I can't pull out another uh, segment cash. So um, I think I picked three or four winners this year too, which is not bad. And, uh, and, and I think three at least in one and done. So I'm either going to go Rose or Casey. Uh, I'm not sure which one. I might just bite the bullet and go Justin Rose uh, because I think, uh, you know, winner last year, he's been putting better than he ever has in his life. So maybe I'll go there. But it's going to be one of those two this week. He's in the middle of a serious mid-golf life crisis, man. He's trying to make that money, dog. I can't hate on him trying to make that money. I'm not hating on him making money. It's just funny. The dude's rocking Ricky shirts. He's, he's switching clubs. like It's like the old man that goes and buys a Corvette because it's like life is almost over. So he thinks and he has to go get this new car and yeah. whatever, right? But this is Justin Rose right now. He's in every commercial and then every he just commercial. rolls around all smug. And he's not – I don't know. He hasn't been doing nothing lately. It's just like he's everywhere. But you haven't seen him on the top of the leaderboard lately. So he worries me this week. But I, I kind of think in talking through this pod and with you – I may end up on more Rose than Rom, just because it seems like Rom's going to be pretty popular. Yeah. And Ra- Rose is still uh, in and out of the number one player in the world. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Rom is an incredible talent, but Rose should rise to the top for 200 bucks more. I think I'll have more of him than Rom, just to end it. I mean, the thing about Rose, what he reminds me, he's like a poor man's Peyton Manning with all these advertisements yeah. that I'm seeing him in. I, yeah. mean, I wouldn't be shocked to see him in a Papa John's commercial here anytime soon. So yeah, you're Rose definitely- buys 20 Papa yeah, John's yeah. and gets moved over. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that. All right, why don't you tell them where they can find you, Tambo? Yeah, you mentioned at the top of the show, gupscorner.com. Definitely want to head over there. Like you said, a lot of people want a lot of money this week. Uh, Gup himself won over 20 Gs this week too, so awesome to see that. Uh, he had the big week there, and then all the subscribers. So the Slack chat is now up over 1,000 people. Uh, there's over 1,300 members total. Use code DGEN25. Even if you get the month right now, it works out to like five events, just the way it works out. So you'll get another major bunch more weeks it works down to like eleven dollars for a month you'll get the memorial too the memorial is a big one you'll get the memorial that's too. what i'm saying like it's, it's you're not gonna go wrong with it so for eleven dollars i mean head on over to gupscorner.com put the code dgen25 sign up get on board see what it's all about it's basically like a, a family it's a it's a community-based sense but it's just like a little family everyone's posting stuff we're having some fun in there on saturday nights everyone gets loose it's cool that way and then uh, you know nfl will come around I'm, I'm, co- I'm confident you'll probably switch to the annual membership uh and the code you can use or carry it across or whatever and do it that way uh i wouldn't do anything else right now i jump over to gupscorner.com put the code in dgen25 and roll from there other than that twitter at toe tag and tambo if you don't have me there add me hit me up if you have any questions throughout the week but i'll be on slack and on everything over at gups yeah, definitely check out GubsCorner.com. Use promo code DGEN25. Uh, it's a really, really good site. They're really good at football. Really good. At, they're really good at golf, but they're really good at football. Uh, so so make sure you get on that. The year long is definitely worth it because you'll get football and golf included. And it's not the rest of the season. It's 365 days. It's 365 right. yeah. days of subscription, not just till the end of this season. Uh, also, make sure you check out our other sponsors, Draft.com. Use promo code DGEN and, of course, BetQL. If you like what you hear, if you're a fan of the podcast, if you helped you win money, uh, you're leaving a nice review, five-star rating, always helpful. You can find me at KendoVT on Twitter. I put out useless nonsense info. Sometimes it's useful. Sometimes it's not uh, on Twitter all the time. You get to choose. Uh, and then um, you can find my article on Power Hour Pod. 
NFL.com each and every week with my picks and stats to look for and all that good stuff. All right, so Kenny's information, Kenny's information on Twitter, Kenny After Dark, is more useful than an injury report in <laughs> golf. Let's leave yeah, it there. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how, yeah, let's see how useful that really is. Uh, all right, guys. Yeah. So, good week, you know, after a major, still a great, great field. Should be a fun week. Lots of money up for grabs. Let's win some fucking money, D-Gen Nation. Let's go. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families. But more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing. Healthcare, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.